Well, nine years ago, I walked up on this platform for the first time, excited to be coming to Heartland. And I'm amazed at what God's done with me in nine years. It's been amazing. And I, it's really interesting you brought up Brother Rex Schwitzer because I have this Bible that I got four years ago with Brother Rex Schwitzer right there. You got his tie, I got his face. <laughs> and that looks at me every time I open my Bible because it's the heaviest page there. And it just reminds me of the legacy that I've been grafted into. And I'm amazed at how God has been leading me and has been using me and, and guiding us, her grandparents 53 years in the ministry, her parents 25 years in the ministry. And I had no idea this even existed 10 years ago. And God worked with me so quickly and put me in this perfect greenhouse to grow. And honestly, it's just an, an, an attribute to this church and to Heartland. What a wonderful growing place it was for me who 10 years ago, I was on a completely different path. And nine years ago, I'd, I had no idea I'd be here. And it's been amazing to me how God has led me, how God has called me, and how God grew me here. Amen. And it's so humbling and so honoring to be back here with you. Well, the call of God, it's a big passion on my heart. We, we want to know what God wants for our lives, how we can serve God the best. And God's calling people to service every day. I'm not necessarily just talking about the missionary call because God is calling people to, to just about any form of service that, that, it, that there is. There is the missionary call. There's call to be a pastor, church planner. There's call to be politicians. We need good politicians in the world. He, God could be calling you to an infinite number of tasks, and he's calling people every single day. But in the world today, it seems to be one of the most confusing things that we deal with. What, what is the call of God on my life? What, what is God's will for my life? It seems that knowing the call of God and following God's will for your life is one of the most uncertain things. And people don't seem to know what the call of God looks like. It's one of the biggest questions I think a lot of missionaries get is how do you know God is calling you? Well, I think it's important to look to the Bible to see how God called people within the Bible and apply the principles there that we can see. Um, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. Don't stand yet. We've got some groundwork to cover. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And we have an example of what the call of God looked like for Samuel, this doesn't mean that this is the only way that God calls people, but we can certainly look and find some biblical principles in the call of Samuel to see what the call of God can look like. Now, before we get into chapter number three, we have a little bit of groundwork to cover on chapters one and two. I'm going to give a brief summary of that. Samuel has been dedicated to the Lord through the faithfulness of his parents. Um, his mother especially, she was barren and uh, desperately wanted a child, prayed to God earnestly for a child. If God would give her a child, she said she would dedicate him to the service of the Lord. And the Lord honored her request and gave her Samuel. And she in turn returned Samuel to the temple to serve full time in the temple. And he served and uh, grew in, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And he served as a priest and he grew and he grew. But while Samuel was growing, the priesthood was rapidly declining. At that time, Eli was the, was the, the head priest, the high priest there. He was growing old. So his ministry was passing on to his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. But Hophni and Phinehas are described as sons of Belial literally described worthless sons. They were absolutely worthless as priests doing wicked abominations in the temple. What they were doing that was so wicked, in the law, the priests had their certain sacrifice portion that they were supposed to have for themselves, but they weren't content with their portion. So what they were doing was when the sacrifice was being made, they would have one of their servants come along with this holy trident or something like that. And when the sacrifice was made, the servant would stab into the sacrifice and then that became their portion of it. And that's robbing from God. That's right. 
because that part was supposed to be for God. Not only that, it says that they were committing wicked sexual immorality with the women in the temple as well. And things were rapidly going downward for the priests. And Eli evidently was a partaker of the thievery of, of the meat, and he was ignorant to their fornication. But when he finds out what his children were doing, what his sons were doing, when he, when he finds out he is so righteously indignant that he goes, you shouldn't be doing this, sons. This isn't, this isn't a good thing. You, you really should stop this. Do, do, do better. And God was not pleased with that. God was not pleased with such, such a half-hearted response to something that was truly an abomination. And so in chapter 2, God sends a nameless man of God. We never find out who he is or his name or anything. And he comes to Eli and God tells him through this man of God what he's going to do to his family. And he says that his family would be uprooted as priests, that no man in their family would live past the prime of their life, and it would start with Hophni and Phinehas. It's important to remember that punishment that God was saying because it is going to play into chapter number three today as we're studying. God is working to raise up faithful ministers where he needs them, where there are holes, and he, is raising up, he was raising up Samuel to take the place where the priests were failing. So we're going to go ahead and read chapter number three. If you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, we're going to read the whole chapter three, starting in verse number one. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I call not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever." And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee. And more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh 
by the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we study God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word and the many things we can learn and apply to ourselves today. May all of our hearts be open to what your word has to say to us and speak through me what your Holy Spirit has for me to say. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So in this chapter, the Lord is calling Samuel in a time where God's word was rarely heard. It was a dark time, really, in, in, the, in the history of Israel when it seemed like they weren't even hearing what God was saying anymore. And the, the duties of the priests were being terribly done. It didn't even just say that the, the voice of God wasn't being heard. It said the very word of God wasn't being heard. It said the word of the Lord was precious in those days. That word precious means scarce or rare. It's a sad thing that God's own people were in such a time where they were no longer hearing the word of God or the voice of God anymore. Most, the, the prophets were gone, except for this one nameless man of God, and they weren't hearing open vision from God. And evidently the priests were doing so poorly, they probably weren't even teaching the law anymore. They saw themselves as a law unto themselves, and things were going rapidly downhill for them. All the judges had passed, the prophets no longer spoke, and no one was hearing the word of God anymore. It almost seemed as if at this time God was abandoning Israel. But we know it wasn't so. Because all of this shows the preparation of God to raise up Samuel to serve the Lord. There was no open vision, so God would give Samuel open vision. The word of the Lord was scarce, so God would speak to the people through Samuel. When there is a hole, God works to fill that hole with a willing servant. And God was working to raise up Samuel to be his priest and prophet. And let me tell you, in the world today, there are holes everywhere. There is a lot of holes. There is a lot of gaps. And God is raising people every single day to serve him where he needs them. And if you look back at your life and you look and see how God's been guiding you, you might be able to see what hole God is going to have you fill. While you're in the midst of something, whether a hardship or a trial or even a time of great blessing, you can look back. I know I can look back at my life and see how God was preparing me even before I knew it. For Samuel, he did what he always did, which was serving the Lord in the temple. Eli was growing old, and so Samuel slept nearby so he'd be able to help his master Eli any time in the night. And it says, as the Lord's candle went out in the temple that burnt out by the ark, it burnt out in the night. And Samuel lay in his bed trying to sleep. Now, that candle was interesting to me because it shows more how the priests were failing because that candle in the law was supposed to be kept burning all night. The priests couldn't even do the little thing like keep a candle lit. They were not doing good at all. And, either, and, and Samuel was laying and falling asleep, and in that dead of night, as the candle went out, Samuel hears his name called out, Samuel. And it was at that time he, he hears his name. There could have been no mistake it would have been dead silent, middle of the night, middle of the dark. And his name rings out and he hears just his name the first time. And Samuel mistakes this name, his, this voice, for the call of his master Eli because he didn't know God the way he should. As that voice rang out in the night, he knew it must be his master Eli. So as a diligent servant, he wakes up, says, here am I, and runs to Eli's side and wakes him up and says, you called me, you, you called me, what do you need? And Eli would have been very confused. And so Eli gave the answer that every parent would give their child if they woke him up in the middle of the night for no reason. Just go back to sleep. I didn't call you. And so Samuel goes back and lays down again. Not but a moment later, he hears his name called out in the dark again. Samuel. 
certain this time that it must be Eli. He gets up in faithful attendance, runs to Eli, wakes him up. Eli, you called me. And Eli again, go back to sleep. I didn't call you. Now, Samuel would have probably been pretty confused why Eli was pulling such a strange prank on him at this point. Why, why would he call me these two different times and, and say he didn't need anything? Perhaps Samuel was just perplexed at this point. But as we read our text tonight, in verse 7, something intrigued me as I was studying this because it showed the position that Samuel was in. Verse 7 says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Eli had evidently instructed him in the priesthood, but failed to instruct him about the God he was supposed to be serving. So often, people can get caught up in my ministry that they forget what the ministry is for. That they, they, they forget, they think, I've got this. This is my ministry. I know what I'm doing. I don't need God to be a part of this whatsoever. And we can obviously see with the priests, they weren't including God in any of it. It's as if they were saying, this is my temple, Lord, you can wait outside. May God help the ministry that leaves God out of it. Because really, what's the point of a ministry if God's not any part of it? There is no point. And admittedly, if you're doing it without God, you're doing an impossible task that is so contrary to your flesh, you can't do it on your own. And I'm so grateful that God has equipped us with the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us in the ministry. And we need to be careful to always include God in everything we do for him. This is clearly why the temple was going in such a wrong direction, because they no longer even cared if God was involved. If God isn't involved, you can't do it. Always include God. And Eli had evidently failed to teach Samuel that most important thing. And Eli never taught Samuel about God. And you know, if you think about it, we're only ever two generations from the knowledge of God being completely extinct. Think about it. Let's say this first generation knows God and is on fire for God, knows him very well, but for some reason, they never teach their children. And now we have one generation that knows God, one generation that doesn't. Well, then this generation has children. Well, they don't really have too much chance because their parents didn't know. And then the first generation passes away. Now, all of a sudden, two generations later, nobody knows God. I'm grateful the Holy Spirit doesn't let that happen. But we need to remember that God has given us a divine task and has chosen to use human agents to pass on the knowledge of God. And it is every single person's here's duty to continue on the knowledge of God and keep on teaching about God and how God works and what the Bible says. We need to continue that on. And God will be driven out by us not passing on the truth about God. We must instruct people on God and even how to respond when he calls. And it's why the call of God is so important to me. And I want to give some clarity this morning to everybody here what the call of God can look like for you. Because if you don't know, you don't know. And Samuel evidently didn't know that God even spoke to people before. But the voice of God was unmistakable to Samuel and he could hear his very name being called out. He just didn't know that God was speaking. And then Samuel goes back to bed and it says the Lord calls him a third time, calls out his name. As we're studying our passage today, I want to leave you with three things you need to know about the call of God. We'll call these three proofs 
that God is calling you. The first proof that we've come up to so far, God will never let you be once he has called you. God will never let you be once he has called you. He called Samuel three times before Samuel even knew how to respond. When God calls someone, he won't let them rest until they've answered the call. This was my experience. When God called me, I asked God, what do you want me to do with my life? And he put the burden of missions on my heart. And he kept it on my heart. And it's still on my heart. And he would not let me rest until I said yes. And when I said yes, there was this peace, this certainty, this joy that was so overwhelming. I knew it was from God. God will not leave you alone. And let me tell you, he won't leave you alone if you say no either. He's not going to leave you alone until you answer yes and do what he says to do when he's called you. Ask someone who rejected the call of God, and they'll tell you it's, it, it's, it's hard. It's a hard life. You want a biblical example? Ask Jonah. And don't make God get a whale involved for you to do what he says. God won't leave you alone, and he wouldn't leave Samuel alone either. So Samuel goes back to Eli this third time, and now finally Eli's catching on. Perhaps God's calling this child. So he finally catches on and instructs Samuel and says, If you hear your name called out again, say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Finally instructs him. And it's such a simple response that God wanted. It didn't need to be anything super spiritual. It didn't need to be anything big. God just wanted permission to speak. And to know that Samuel was listening. He doesn't need all that much if he's calling you. Just say, Speak, Lord. I'm listening. And Samuel answered the call of the Lord, and the Lord immediately speaks to him. And it's a powerful moment when Samuel says, speak. And what God does with Samuel from that moment onward is incredible. But let me tell you, Samuel didn't exactly say what he was supposed to say. He didn't say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He just says, speak, for thy servant heareth. What that shows me is that God will call you, really, if you're ready for him or not. God will call you whether you're ready for him or not. And that is why it's so important for me, so important for you to be ready whenever that moment is God is going to call you. Because he could call you at any time, no matter your shortcomings. Let, let, let me show you an example like this. Cameras, follow me. It's going to be a little action for you. Let's say right here, this point is the moment that you got saved. Okay? Now we're going to go to this end of the platform. And let's say this right here is the moment that God calls you to be a missionary, to be a pastor, a politician, pastor's wife, deacon, whatever that may be, however the Lord may call you. Now let's go back to this end. This is the beginning of the journey. I got saved and I stay right here. And I stay nice and comfortable because this is the easy way I got my get out of hell free card. And this, this is the easy Christian life. I like staying right here. But then God says, Jeremy, I'm calling you to be a missionary. What's that gonna look like? A lot of catching up to do really fast. But now watch this. This is the moment I got saved and I'm reading my Bible and I'm growing in church, going to church multiple times a week and I'm praying and I'm actively growing in my relationship with the Lord and I'm close with God and I'm walking with God and I go to Bible college and I have education from the Lord and I'm growing every day. And now the Lord calls me and says, I want you to be a missionary. Let's go. Wasn't that so much easier? Let it be that every Christian would live every single day like God could call them at any moment. He could call you today. He could call you in a few years. 
We ought to all be ready for the moment that God can call us. And let me tell you, for a long time, I was over there. And the Lord worked with me so fast. And I was amazed at how the Lord worked with me, really in a matter of months. And I'm starting here now. And it's amazing how quickly, as I'm looking back, the Lord has worked on me. Amen. We should be ready every single day, Amen. in spite of our shortcomings. You know, Moses, when he was called, gave every single one of his shortcomings he could think of as to why God shouldn't call him. But God used him anyway in a mighty way. God will call you, whether you're ready for him or not. And even if you don't think you're ready, do not silence the Lord, but always open your heart to whatever the Lord has to say to you. And he will reveal his will to you. He will equip you if he calls you, even if you're ready or not. And God spoke to Samuel the very things that he had told Eli would happen to his family. He had already said it to Eli through a nameless man of God, through a nameless prophet. He didn't tell Samuel much else. He just tells him what he already told Eli. Samuel more or less says the exact same thing. The second proof that we've come to about the call of God is that it will always line up with God's revealed word. God's call will never be contrary to his own word. In this case, God just tells Samuel what he had already revealed to Eli. The first part of the call was for Samuel to, to receive the word of the Lord. The second part was telling it. But as we're in our story, Samuel was afraid to say it. I mean, it wasn't exactly good news. He was going to have to tell Eli that all the things God said he would punish your family with cannot be purged with sacrifice. But God tends to put people who answer his call into a position where they kind of have to do what he says. And in this story, Eli goes to Samuel in the morning and says, tell me everything God told you and don't leave anything out lest that happen to you. And that wouldn't have gone so good for Samuel. So Samuel tells Eli everything that God told him would happen to his family. Your task as the servant of God is not to question God or to fear what people are going to say or think, but to say exactly what God told you to say. And it's why we need to be active soul winners and take every opportunity that God gives us to be a witness because we have no idea how God has been working on a person that he brings across your path. And if you stop and think for a moment about all those opportunities you've missed, that's a hard thought because you may have been that person that God was gonna give the gospel to somebody else that he's been working on for a long time. And if you miss that opportunity, that's a hard thought. I can think of a few. And it's not an easy thing to think about. How many opportunities were missed and how many people could have been saved if you just did what you were called to do? Trust that God puts you somewhere on purpose and don't be afraid to do what God has called you to do. And I believe that God had told Eli first so that Samuel would know for sure exactly who God is in this case. He tells Eli with the nameless man of God so that Samuel would have something to measure it up with and say, this is definitely of God. It will always line up with God's revealed word. What does that mean? Well, God isn't going to contradict what he's already said. You know, one of Satan's favorite tactics ever since the beginning was twisting the word of God. And it's why it's so important to be a Bible scholar and know what the Bible says so that if you feel like God, believe God is calling you, you know what it looks like. You know, you're not going to contradict the word of the Lord. Be a student of the scripture so that you will know when God is calling you. And the third proof we find in our story is that it will be obvious to all men. 
It says in, the, in our text, all men from Israel, all men in Israel knew from then onward that Samuel was called to be a prophet of the Lord. When God calls someone, it becomes obvious to them and it becomes obvious to everyone around them. There's something to it. When God's light is on somebody, when God's calling is on somebody, it shows. It says that everyone from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet. It's like saying everyone from Oklahoma City down to Houston, every single person between that knew that one person was called of God. Every time they would visit in Shiloh, they saw Samuel preaching the word of God and prophesying. And they would say, that guy's called. God called to Samuel is a very unique story. But as he's going through this story, he is getting to know God. And my friends, one of the best ways you're going to get to know God even more is to serve him faithfully. Perhaps the big question on your mind today is what exactly does the call of God look like? Well, I tell you, I honestly can't say for sure because God calls in such a unique variety of ways. Called my wife through a history book. He called Moses through a burning bush. Called Isaiah through an open vision. There's such a unique variety of ways that God could be calling you I can't say for sure exactly how God is going to call you, but it may just be a thought that never leaves your mind. It may be something you're reading in, in your scripture, in your Bible reading, that just sticks out to you and won't leave you alone. It could be a gut feeling of the Holy Spirit tugging you in a certain direction. But be open to however God might be calling you. He is calling laborers today. And I'll even say this, he's also calling volunteers. If you look at the calling of Isaiah... Isaiah was in an open vision and saw the Lord and the heavenly hosts. And God didn't say, Isaiah, send this message for us. God said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Will you be willing to be a volunteer and serve where it's needed? Even here in this church where there are so many opportunities, will you be willing to be a servant of God and take his call even to just be a volunteer? Let me tell you, the day that you accept the Lord's calling, that joy and that confidence overwhelms your life and it will be clear. Surrender to God today if you're being called and answer the call of God wherever that may be. He is calling you to serve him today. Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can see in your word how you call people. May each one of us have clarity of, of, of mind when it comes to your will. And may all of us seek to please you and be servants of you today. Help make your will clear to every one of us today what you would have us to do. And may all of us have an open and willing heart to serve you with everything we have. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.